Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. Well, hey friend, I am so excited to be spending time with you again today. So I wanna know if you've ever run into this problem. You've spent a lot of time and effort on building your email list because everyone tells you (laughs) that's what you need to do to build a successful online business, right? And they're not wrong, but have you ever had that experience where you went to sell something to your email list and crickets? You know, they weren't buying, right? Or you were getting complaints about the price or even you wrote, you know, some great emails leading up to your launch and they got a great response. And then still, when you opened the doors on your promotion, whether it was a digital product or a physical product in your shop and people just weren't buying, it's so discouraging. I have to say, it's one of the biggest bummers, right? Especially when you've really gone all out and you've planned a big promotion and people aren't responding. So one thing I've noticed recently with my students is that my online shop owner students are much more easily getting sales from their email lists than my blogger and digital product creator students. And here's my hunch there. My hunch is that it's because online shop owners, people know they're selling something, right? It's very clear. You can see from their Instagram account, from their shop, like they have products for sale. That is what they're about. That is what their business does. So people expect if they're joining that person's email list that they'll be emailed about products and promotions in that shop. Whereas if you're primarily a blogger or an influencer of some kind, a lot of people expect to just get lots of free content from you. They opted into your email list for a great freebie and they love seeing your free blog posts or your YouTube videos or hanging out with you on Instagram each week. But don't you dare try to sell them something, right? I mean, sometimes people are like outraged, (laughs) Because they're not necessarily expecting that. And you maybe haven't primed them to expect that from you, to expect that, hey, I'm a legit business. And although I love helping you and providing value for free, I need to sell things in order for this to be a successful business. And because you know the time, obviously, that it takes to develop those products. And by offering things for sale, you can help people in bigger ways and more important ways. So how can we make sure that all the time and effort we're spending on building our list is actually building up a list full of buyers and potential customers who are going to love what we promote to them? Well, here's the system that makes that happen because I don't want you to build a list that just expects everything for free from you all the time. I want your list to expect that, yep, this person provides awesome, valuable content, but they sell things to me and I'm cool with that because I like them, I like what they have to offer, 
not only do I not mind buying a product for them, I'm excited to do it when the time comes. So here's the three-part system to ensure that you have buyers on your email list. First of all, you need to have an effective email freebie, right? You have to have an email freebie that draws in your perfect customer to your list. So that email freebie needs to be highly related to what you're going to sell. The second part is that you need to have a tripwire. So a tripwire is a limited time offer for your brand new email subscriber to buy a product from you. So what happens is after they opt into your email list, they're immediately taken to a thank you page. It confirms that, hooray, you're on the list, your freebies are headed to you, but if you're ready to go to the next level, I've got something awesome for you, right? So then you launch into your tripwire offer. So this would be something where you can have a limited time sale. So it's just a big sale, like 25 to 40% off that product. And they only will see that for like an hour on that thank you page, something like that. Or you can just do limited time bonuses, or it could just be a product that they won't see anywhere else in your shop. So it's just kind of a surprise fun offer that they're not going to find anywhere else. There are multiple different ways to set up that tripwire. And I know that tripwires are typically thought of as a digital product type of thing. They are not. I have done tripwires for my physical brilliant life planner as well, where I would either do limited time bonuses or a limited steal of a deal price on that planner for an hour or sometimes a couple days. I've tested different things and I make sales that way. And I'm working with students currently who are creating limited time offers for their physical products too, like skincare. I have another student who sells hair bows and she's about to create her limited hair bow collection where it's for a steal of a deal on that thank you page. So brilliant because, you know, someone that's brand new that doesn't know you that well yet, they've just opted in for your list. They kind of need that little push to want to buy from you, right? They need that extra incentive. So that's where the tripwire comes in. But we're not going to stop there, though that's a great starting point, right? Because someone who's turned off by that offer to buy something right away, let them go, right? (laughs) Let them go. They're probably going to be turned off by the offer to buy something six months from now, too. So it's cool. They can just, you know, unsubscribe. But the third part is that you need a profitable welcome series. So you need to hook that reader in, you build a relationship with them, you get them excited and eager to open your emails, you provide valuable content to them, and then you give them another chance to buy a fabulous product from you. So again, you're taking your new email subscribers and they're getting two opportunities to buy from you within usually like a seven-day period, right? So we are ensuring that you are building a list full of buyers, that your email list is profitable for you. So do you want to know how to do this? Do you want to know how to get this all set up, right? (laughs) Do you want to have this system so that you can bring in those profitable email subscribers every single day? I'm partnering with my brother and sister-in-law, Donnie and Abby Lawson of justagirlandherblog.com for their browser to buyer course. So they walk you through step-by-step this exact three-part system, how to write the perfect effective email opt-in, which the other thing I love here is they give you so many tangible examples from their own business. 
and they primarily sell organizational products. They have organizational courses, organizational printables. They do affiliate promotions. So they sell and make a lot of their revenue outside of the business-to-business space, which I love. And they'll show you their stats and they'll show you what works for them. And they are very successful business owners. If we're talking my success compared to their success, I mean, they're probably like 10 times more successful (laughs) than me. They'll be embarrassed if they listen to this podcast episode and hear that. But it's the truth. They are so smart. They're a huge reason why I have a thriving business online because I've watched them. They went before me. I saw that it was possible. And of course, I had people to text and email late at night (laughs) when I had a question or issue, right? So they've been so important for my business growth. So they're going to teach you this three-step system inside their browser to buy your course. And what I love most about this course is they're offering it live. So not only is Browser to Buyer on sale from Tuesday, July 30th through Monday, August 5th, it's normally $99 and it will be on sale for $79. I told Donnie and Abby, I was like, my audience loves the deal. So you guys, this will be great. <laughs> but it's not just a sale. The other reason to get in on this incredible course and build a list full of buyers now is that they're doing it live. So on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, August 5th, 6th, and 7th at 1 p.m. Eastern each day, there will be a one-hour class. So it'll basically go through those three steps. On day one, they'll talk everything email opt-ins. On day two, setting up your tripwire that converts. And day three, creating your profitable welcome series. So here is what is the most brilliant thing. I've never seen anyone else structure their course this way. And of course that's true. Like Donnie and Abby are always innovating and doing things differently and thinking outside of the box. So it's so fun. So I actually went through their course myself. I bought it at the beginning of this year. And I went through it live because I thought, okay, this is how I'm actually going to consume this content and, you know, hold myself accountable and make sure I get all my questions answered. So I have no excuses then to not take action on what I'm learning. So I went through it live and it was so fun because they have a pre-recorded video so that it's awesome quality. It's everything you need, nothing you don't, no tech glitches, right? So Abby does the first part and she'll share like the content and all the best practices and behind the scenes. And then Donnie does the second part of each video and he does all the tech tutorials. That's the other thing I love. There are tech tutorials for every step of the way and not just, oh, this is the one tool we use. They share multiple options for different tools you can use at different price points and with different features. They also have a Shopify store, so they show how you can set things up with Shopify too, which is pretty rare in this online biz space. So they do that, but then the live component is the fact that you're watching the awesome lesson with a whole group of students and then Donnie and Abby and me as well, I'll also be live in the chat to answer all of your questions during the class recording. So you're learning live with a whole community of awesome business owners and getting all of your burning questions answered immediately from Donnie, Abby, and myself. So again, the live versions are Monday, August 5th, Tuesday the 6th, Wednesday the 7th at 1 p.m. Eastern each day with us there live in the chat. Now, if you're thinking, okay, I need an email list of buyers, yes, I do, but you're like, I can't attend those live class times. 
you still want to grab the course because you get the class recordings forever. Plus, there's a lot of bonuses. We'll get to those in a sec. But you also want to grab it because the sale, right? So the price will go back up to $99 after August 5th. So grab it up for that. But if you can, if you can prioritize this, make some time in your schedule to show up live. That's going to be awesome because then you can make sure this doesn't just sit on your computer, right? I want you to take action. And I want to share with you really quickly here the impact that this course has made on my business. So a month ago, I finally got my exit intent pop-up set up on my website using Donnie and Abby's course, All Their Best Practices, and then my Tripwire offer behind the scenes. I've had Tripwire offers for a while, but I hadn't had the exit intent pop-ups. I hadn't optimized my site in all the ways that they teach you to do and had my freebie in all the places it needed to be. Once I got that up and going, so for the last month, I am now making 50 to just over $100 in sales every single day organically. So that's just my organic sales. That's just because I'm now getting a lot more email subscribers for my fabulous freebie, and then they're seeing that tripwire offer. So I've added an extra 50 to $100 a day for free just by implementing what I've learned in their course. And there's a lot more I'm still working on on the back end for my Profitable Welcome series. You will be blown away by Abby's Welcome Email series. I was reading through the bonus guide that shows they have like 20 example emails to show you and like their exact email series. Several of them are in there. And I was just like, whoa, this is so smart. Okay. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe I have not even done this yet. You need to go to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash B2B to enroll in the course. <laughs> Marketing 101, Bethann. Hello. Brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash B, and then it's the number two. So B2B, and that will take you to the browser to buy our special page. You want to do that page because that's a page where the sale is happening. They're just doing this for me and the Brilliant Business Moms community, which is like, so sweet of them. So come on, we got to show up, ladies. We got to show up and show out and show them how awesome we are as a community. I want us to be like the most fun live class group that they've ever had. (laughs) What do you say? Let's do it. And I know we're about to get to the podcast episode, which you're going to love. It's with Donnie Nabby, and they're sharing a ton of their best email marketing strategies with you, list building strategies with you, which FYI, you will love it, but you still also need the course because there's so much extra behind the scenes, the emails, the tech tutorials that you need inside the course. It obviously, they can't cover it all in one podcast episode. But okay, I want to tell you really quickly about the bonuses that I've added to this offer so that you can amplify your list growth and your number of customers even more. So what I do is I turn my tripwire funnels into Facebook ads campaigns. So I've been doing this for the past couple of years and it is incredible. It's been such a powerful way that I've grown my business. It's by far the biggest list building tool that I have. But what I love about the way I structure my Facebook ads campaigns with these tripwire funnels is that I ensure that I get buyers on day one. 
I ensure that my campaigns are at least break even from day one, right? Because we don't have money to waste. I'm sure you've heard of so many people who say Facebook ads don't work. And a lot of times they're learning from people who are saying, oh, like create your funnel and do to do and then just like go out and pay for some email subscribers and just cross your fingers and hope they buy, right? And then you spend a couple hundred dollars, you get these two email subscribers and you're like, oh, crud, these people aren't buying either, right? That is not my system. I structure my campaigns to ensure that you get buyers from day one. So we're just going to take all of Donnie and Abby's goodness in their course and basically pour some gasoline on that and get you even more leads and more sales with Facebook. So my best months when I do my tripwire campaigns, I will spend nine grand on ads and generate 18 grand in top of funnel upfront sales. So that's literally just the sales coming in off of that tripwire, not to mention, you know, sales coming from the email series on the back end. So those are my best months. And then other months, it'll be more like spending several grand and still making a profit on those several thousand new leads that I'm acquiring. So it's pretty sweet. And I've had students in all sorts of different niches also make this work for their businesses. So it's not just for the business space. So I can't wait to offer you that bonus training to show you how to structure those Facebook ad campaigns. And then I'm also going to be doing a bonus live Q&A call. So we'll hop on Zoom together the week after Donnie and Abby's live class so that you can strategize with me. I can look at your campaigns if you want, if you just need to strategize what your freebie to tripwire offer should be, because sometimes thinking through that customer psychology and customer journey can be tricky. So we will go through all of that in the Zoom call with me the following week. So brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash B2B, B, the number two and another B. We'll get you there. Okay, without further ado, you're going to love hearing from Donnie and Abby today. So today on the show, I'm so excited to have two guests that I happen to know quite well. It's Donnie and Abby Lawson. They are the husband and wife team behind justagirlandherblog.com. Donnie also happens to be my brother. Abby's my sister-in-law. So welcome back to the show, Donnie and Abby. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So... I know we're going to dig deep on list building, the importance of having an email list, how powerful your email list can be for your online business. But first, because I know I always have new listeners tuning in who might not know your backstory and what you all do and what Just a Girl and Her Blog is all about. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and what you both do online. Sure. So I started Just a Girl on Her Blog back at the beginning of 2013. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. It was just kind of going to be this side project that I had something creative to do when the kids were napping and things like that. I quickly, though, caught the blogging bug and kind of started to learn more about it and experiment with different things, and the site started to grow. About two years in, Donnie started working with me full-time. He had kind of helped with the technical side, and we had done a couple little eBooks and stuff, and he had helped launch those, but he started working with me full-time in 2015, and we've been doing it together ever since. Our site is primarily about organization and home decor, but we also teach blogging a little bit. Um, just like to share things that have worked for us in hopes that they can help other bloggers grow their sites and their businesses as well. 
Love it. And I've definitely been watching you all. Well, not since the beginning, since you did keep your blog a secret. (laughs) But ever since, yeah, I discovered your blog. I've been following you both and learning a ton from both of you. So one of the things I think that new online business owners kind of have the wrong ideas about is how they're going to make sales. I think a lot of new online business owners think, okay, I'm just going to build up this huge social media following and that's how I'll make sales. Or if I just get a ton of traffic to my blog, I'll have ad revenue and sponsor posts and that's how I'm going to make money. But I think most of us who've been in online business for a while, we know just how powerful that email list is for sales, for revenue. And so I'd love to hear from you guys, especially as you know, your seasoned bloggers, you get so much traffic to your site every month. But what is the breakdown of revenue of, you know, sponsored posts versus ad income versus sales that you're making simply because you've got people on your email list? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good good question, and we've we've kind of changed a little bit over the years with where the revenue is coming from. For a while, we had ads on the site, and then we didn't. And then within the past year, I would say we put them back on the site, but we're not heavy with the ads. Like we try to make them as minimal as possible. I mean, that's maybe only ten percent. 10 to 20% of our revenue is from the display ads. And I would say the remaining amount, it's probably a split. I mean, it can depend on the month, whether there's a big promotion or whether we launch our own product, but it's a pretty good split between affiliate income and then income from selling our own products. And again, it'll go back and forth. If we're promoting someone else's product one month, that will be a big portion of the income. And then the next month we may be launching our own product and then that will be the majority of the income for the month. And I would say that income is also split too between what we sell on the blog, just people showing up traffic wise and, you know, buying things that we recommended and things that we're pitching in email. So I guess ads aside with the remaining that's left, I would say it's probably like 60, 40, 60 being stuff we sell through email and 40% being things that people buy from our recommendation on the blog. Okay. Gotcha. So that email list is huge as far as driving revenue. Yes. I guess a lot of the traffic that we get on the blog sometimes comes from our email too. So you know what I mean? They'll go through our email, find something in email, click over the blog and end up buying from the blog, but they originally came through that email list. That's like our main point of contact. So secondarily, they would have come from email too. Yeah. I mean, we found that a lot of people don't think of email as a traffic driver, but for us, I think it's been, it's been a pretty major driver of traffic to the blog. You know, we don't just use email to sell products or to promote products, but also to, you know, drive traffic back to the site. I mean, we have years worth of blog posts. So whatever we can do to get people back to the site and engaging them and, and building those connections through a lot of the, the posts we have on the site, the better. That's so true. And so it's like this cycle that just goes on and on because you drive more traffic back to the blog from that email list, then that's potentially additional ad revenue. That's potentially additional affiliate revenue because they might see something they like. 
that's potentially additional like shop revenue. I know you have your printables shop. And it's also, you said, obviously, you're building relationships, you're helping them, you're providing so much value, they might share those posts. And so that spreads traffic even more. So that's so interesting. There's so many different angles for how your email list, you know, supports your business. Yeah, I think we would have so many less loyal readers and loyal followers without really focusing on the email list. I mean, it's so easy for people to click over from Pinterest, which is a big focus for us, or Google, which is another big focus for us. And a lot of those people click over and they may read an article, but if they don't end up on our email list, they really just don't have any chance to become a loyal reader who's visiting the site, you know, every month for, you know, for years and years. But by nourishing that relationship with them, we hope to become their one-stop shop. Like if they say, oh, I want to organize this. Let me go to Abby's site and, you know, find some ideas there because I know she's my go-to person for organization or my go-to person for organizing printables. We become that person by, you know, showing up in their inbox and providing value to them, you know, each week. Yeah, I love that. And you do such a great job of showing up every single week. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I know I basically expect your email, Abby, every Saturday morning. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've been doing it that way for years. So uh, yeah, every Saturday we send out our weekly newsletter, it usually highlights one or two posts from the week that we have just posted. It also mentions related content that might have been older content that is seasonal or related to our current content in some way that they might be interested in. I also try every week to pick something from a different blogger or content creator that I thought was great that week and share that so I can kind of spread the love and introduce new people. And then if we have any type of sales or promotions going on, we talk about those too in the Saturday email. But we definitely don't sell every week. That is mostly, I see the kind of that weekly email is kind of a relationship building check-in where they kind of get to know me a little bit better. And they have already expressed that they're interested in organizing in some way. And so I try to give them tools and things that I have found to be helpful to help them get more organized. So hopefully when they see my name pop up in their inbox, they know it's going to be good and they're they're willing to open it and see what it's all about. I love that. And I think because you work so hard to put out awesome content, it's super helpful. You're so consistent with emailing your list and building that relationship. One thing I've noticed because I've been part of Ultimate Bundles promotion, so it's an affiliate promotion, you tend to be always at the top of the leaderboards <laughs> as far as your affiliate <laughs> commissions for those bundle sales. But as someone who's on your email list, I feel like I see way less emails from you and emails that are much more casual and friendly and less pushy than the kinds of emails I'm seeing from other affiliates who are promoting those bundles. So tell me a little bit more about that. I think this is kind of twofold. First, I think part of it is just a personality thing. I hate being really pushy and salesy. That's just not who I am. So, and I wouldn't be able to keep doing this, you know, if I didn't feel good about what I was doing. So I can't be that way. It's just not my personality. So the only way I will promote something in the first place is if I can say, hey, here is something that I think would be genuinely helpful for you. And if you're looking to grow your blog or get organized or set goals, this is a resource that I have found helpful and you know it's on sale 
this week or whatever. So unless I can genuinely share it, I'm not going to share it anyway. And then typically in my emails about it, I try to share a story or share from my personal experience of why this particular thing was helpful for me. And that is kind of my sales pitch. I mean, I probably would fail like a real sales class or something, but I just hope that through that method that people can see that I'm being genuine and that if this thing is a good fit for them, it's not me trying to sell them on it. It's just like, hey, this could improve your life. So if that's the case, it will be a helpful shortcut for them and improve their life. And we get to keep doing what we love and blogging by making a commission off that. So it's a win for everyone. And I think we've also, as far as like the number of emails goes, for a lot of those shorter promotions that are maybe less than a week, the, the majority of the sales come at the very beginning and the very end. And so like there's a lot of promotions where we send three emails, one the first day when the carts open and then two the last day, one the last morning of the promotion and then one in the evening, you know, a few hours before the promotion ends. And we've found that doing that generally works as well as if we've, if we send like eight different emails over the course of the you know, the five day promotion or whatever the time frame might be. But when we do send emails for promotions, you know, we always have unsubscribers. Every email we send, we usually have a few hundred unsubscribes. So, you know, if, if we're sending more and more emails during the promotion, we're going to have, you know, a lot more unsubscribes. So we found that there's just kind of that sweet spot for us that we feel like we don't really need to email all that much. We just want people to know about the opportunity, pique their interest. And then, you know, if, if they decide it's a good fit for them. That's great. And we kind of look at the two emails, maybe on the final day of a promotion, more of just like reminder emails, like, hey, just in case you missed it, it's ending tonight. And we'll do two of those type of emails. Well, and we've also, since we have that weekly Saturday email, we also usually get to mention in there, That's which true. They're, they're expecting that each week anyway. And so that is another touch point. Even if they don't buy that day, it's another way to get it in front of them. But I tend to be really protective of that list because I know that there are gazillions of email lists out there. And so that's part of it too, is these are like my people, my people that are like in it with me for the long haul. Some have been following us for years. And so just like I hate being bombarded with emails about the same thing over and over, I don't want to do that to them either. So part of that is kind of being protective of them and respectful of their inbox. And I don't know, maybe we're leaving money on the table, but it has seemed to work well for us. Yeah. And I think, I mean, at least on the outside looking in, it seems like it works really well. <laughs> and it seems it's so much easier. <laughs> right? Like that's kind of interesting. It's funny because it would be hard to make myself only email on the first and then the last days of a promotion. But I'd be interested to give that a try at some point and see like, okay, was my revenue basically the same? Because you're exactly right that most people either buy on the first day or the last day. So, and we've actually in the past we've done promotions that we were excited about that we thought would go really well and we know the first day how it's going to go. We can kind of project out what's going to happen with the rest of the promotion after, you know, less than the first day. And so we've completely abandoned promotions after that first day because we know, okay, our audience just is not resonating with this. We do not need to send another email about this at all. 
where I think some people maybe try and force it. They're like, okay, the first day didn't go really well. Let me like up my game and pour all sorts of time into, you know, maybe the email just wasn't quite right and I can change this and I can email five more times. That usually, at least for us, that hasn't worked. So we're not afraid if, if a promotion isn't going well to just say, okay, we sent that one email, that's it, we're done. Well, and there is, it's a judgment call too, because sometimes like if it's a product where we were kind of on the fence, like we'd be quicker to do that. But sometimes if I still think it's a good fit, we will try to reposition it a little bit and see. You mentioned ultimate bundles. We've had a lot of success with ultimate bundles and we love them and think that they're doing a great thing. But we've had bundle sales that have not done well sometimes just because it hit at a weird time of year or, you know, there's just there's a lot of different factors. But yeah, that's true. That's so interesting, too, though, to have that flexibility to pay attention to what your audience is saying and to, yeah, basically abandon ship if you feel like, okay, this isn't a good fit. Why are we going to keep, you know, trying to pound in this square peg, basically? Yeah. And sometimes we're completely wrong about what we think will do well. And that's the thing that always catches me off guard. I can see something and say, wow, I really think the audience is going to love this. This is a perfect fit. This is fantastic. And then it's just not the case and it doesn't do well. And there's other times when we're kind of questioning, you know, is this a good fit for our audience? Like how, how much should we promote this? We're really not sure. And then it ends up doing really, really well. So I still get caught off guard with that, even after doing this for you know a few years now. That still happens all the time. Yeah, that's so interesting. Everything is a test. I'm sure you guys get this question all the time too of like someone comes to you like a business owner and they're like, I'm thinking about doing this, this, and this. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always like, Okay, I mean, like, I think this sounds good, but you're not going to know until you do it. Yeah. I can't predict, yeah, what the numbers are going to be. You've got to put it out there and, and see what happens. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning how some people rely on social media and some people rely on ad revenue. I have blogging friends that are making a lot of money with each one of those things being their main avenue and that works for them. But if I would try either one of those, it would tank for me. I don't know, just because of my audience and my personality and my strengths. You know, the email product combination for us has been the thing that has really pushed us forward. So there's a lot of different ways to do it and be successful, but a lot of it, and it's frustrating for people to hear, is kind of testing the waters and finding where your strengths lie and then really playing to those strengths and finding what works for you there. As frustrating as that can be, there's no like <laughs> easy button for it. Right. That's so true. That brings me to my next question, which is, I know I have listeners who are thinking like, okay, great. So Donnie and Abby have this big email list and it's driving a ton of revenue for them every month. But how do I do that? How would I even begin to start building my email list? As far as getting numbers on the list, <laughs> we have always just started by paying attention to our audience and what they seem to like, and then offering them something for free that meets those needs or meets whatever they're asking for. So sometimes they ask for specific posts. Like there was at one point I was getting requests all the time asking me for a student binder, like student binder printables. And I didn't make it for a long time because I was like, my audience isn't really students. It's all like mothers and, you know, they're not really interested in the student stuff. Well, I was wrong. 
<laughs> I finally made a student binder and it took off like wildfire because wouldn't you know, these mothers have students and they <laughs> won the student binder. So sometimes they're specifically asking for things and we make those and people opt in for them. Sometimes we'll see that a certain type of post is doing well and we'll add an extra bonus to that that people have to sign up for. So for example, I've had for years a series about the KonMari method of organizing that has always gotten a lot of traffic. So we added this extensive KonMari tidying up checklist as an opt-in for that series. And since we were getting lots of traffic to that anyway, people started joining the list through those posts. And sometimes it's a matter of taking what we already have and putting it into a more convenient format. So for years, ever since I started blogging in 2013, I've shared printables on the blog, but they were just kind of like, here's a printable here and a printable there. And they weren't all organized and put together. So we went and took all of the printables that we ever created and put them all in one printables library. So there's over 200 or 300 pages of printables in there. And so now if people come looking for organizing printables, they're all in one place and they'll sign up to get access for that. And so we get people on this. So it's really just paying attention to what's working anyway, what people are asking for, what they seem to like, what posts they seem to be drawn to, and then being able to give them something that will create a shortcut for them and make their lives a little easier. So that is the basic strategy that we have used to actually, you know, get people to sign up and get on the list in the first place. And I think people can kind of predict like how well they're doing with gathering emails. You know, a, a lot of it does have to do with how many people are visiting that specific page or post on your site. I mean, we've, at least I found that no matter how much I optimize, like if I have a post that gets a certain amount of traffic and I have an opt-in or a lead magnet, that's a really good fit, like a perfect fit for that type of post, specifically what they're looking for or when they're reading that post still the best that we can do is around 20%. And that's with, you know, multiple buttons within the post where they can click the button and a form pops up. And that's also with exit intent opt-ins over top of that. And with all of that, we'll never really be able to get much over 20% of the people who visit a, a specific post or page to opt-in. Now, if it's not a good fit, if it's a post about something else, but then the, the lead magnet or opt-in is something just very general that isn't specific to that article. I mean, it can be down as low as one, two, three percent. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's good for people to hear those numbers because I think we sometimes have unrealistic expectations for how many people are going to opt in. But it's encouraging to hear that when you have the right freebie fit to that piece of content, that it could be up to 20%. And we're not saying that it's impossible. We have a lot of general opt-ins where it's not the perfect fit for the post. And that is fine, especially people with hundreds of blog posts or you know even more. It is just not realistic to have this perfect opt-in freebie for every single one. So a lot of times we just go and see what our most popular posts are. And then after the fact, we go in and then optimize the 
the post and then make after the fact that kind of that perfect lead magnet or opt-in offer. So it's just, at least for us, it's unrealistic for us to have, you know, hundreds of different <laughs> really specific lead magnets. Like we go for We have the, a couple of big ones. We have a couple of big ones. And so, yeah, we just, we go for the big wins there. But if there is that perfect alignment, we've, you know, 20% is, is kind of what we shoot for. It's hard to hit, but it's possible. And something else I want to make sure I mention, <laughs> the goal is we want to grow our list, but we also need to be able to make revenue on that list. And that's not because we're money hungry. It's just because it costs money to run a blog and to maintain a list. So whatever we're offering as freebies, we also need to make sure that that is going to be closely related to something that we're going to offer for sale down the road. Because like, for example, one of my first viral, quote unquote, viral posts was a post about creating labels in Microsoft Word, which is super random. Now I could have gone and made tons of freebies around that and had lots of people opt in to get them because that was such a popular post. But if I didn't have the intention of which I didn't and I don't want to creating a course that teaches people how to create different graphic design things in Microsoft Word that does me no good because I have people signing up for one thing that aren't going to be interested in a totally different thing that I'm going to be selling later. So yes, it should align with your popular posts but if for some reason your most popular posts are kind of like out in left field and it's not at the core of what you teach and what you do and what you're going to be selling then that would be an instance that we actually don't want those people on our so you want to think about it as a good fit for the posts that are getting traffic, but also for something that you're going to be able to monetize later, because otherwise you're just going to end up with this really expensive list of email addresses that isn't really doing anything for you. Yeah, that's such a good point. I hear this all the time from online business owners of like, oh, well, I'm going to create this freebie because those seem really popular. And it's like, no. <laughs> okay, so one great example would be you guys have your library of organizational printables. That makes perfect sense because you have a course on how to organize your house in a weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of organizing related products. Yeah. And we also sell some printables. Right. Yeah. Lots of great organizational printables in your shop. So that's a perfect fit for your audience. But then I'll hear someone else who is selling, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, like a course on home decorating or something. And it's like, no, then don't do organizational printables. You need something that's more specific to home decor. You need a much tighter fit. Even if the printables would bring them bigger numbers, mm -hmm. those are numbers that are not going to buy. So it's not helpful. So it's better to have a smaller number of opt-ins of people that are genuinely interested in the topic that you're talking about and want to go further and learn more about it through your paid process products than to just try to get all these numbers in and hope that something sticks. And this is some of the reasons why a lot of people dread like list pruning and that type of thing. I actually, I love deleting subscribers <laughs> off of any, like I, I have a, a another small newsletter that I send out each week and I delete cold or bounced subscribers every single week. I don't even send them an email to re-engage them. If they haven't opened an email in three months, they're just, they're gone. And Which is not necessarily a strategy for every list. Again, this is specific to this list that he's talking <laughs> yeah. about. But for this list, it is. Yeah, I just think, I think everyone is, they just want this huge list and they kind of ignore that engagement piece and that how well do they fit into what I'm trying to do. Yeah. 
That's such a good point. I mean, yeah, because you can have a huge list, but teeny tiny open rates, you know? And so someone with a list half that size could actually have more people opening their emails and clicking through and engaging. It's not all about the number of subscribers. It's a lot about fit and about how genuine you are and how you treat them once they're on the list to get them to stay engaged. That's true. Okay. That brings me to my next question (laughs) because I think Abby and uh, now I don't know, Donna, you have to tell me, I'll give you credit if credit is due. When in doubt, credit is probably not due. (laughs) No, (laughs) My hunch is that Abby is writing a lot of your welcome series. Did the hearts and smiley faces give it away? Occasionally, I'll start an email and jot down a couple hard to decipher notes, and then Abby will go in and flesh it out. But I mean, yeah, Abby writes all the emails for sure. Okay. So, Abby, I think you do such a good job with your welcome series. I mean, you have several different ones, you know, depending on what freebie someone is opting in for. But, you know, you're providing value, you're giving a lot, but you're also not afraid to talk about the products that you have for sale in those emails. So can you share any kind of best practices or tips there? So as far as the welcome series go, I think it's all about hooking them in to the next email. So here's what I mean by that. Generally, how somebody gets on our list is they sign up for one of those freebies that we've been talking about. And when they sign up, they get an email that either sends them the freebie itself or gives them access instructions to a library or something. And since they have just signed up for that and they want that, they're definitely going to open that first email. So we give them, you know, what they asked for in that first email, but we also give a hook and say, hey, we're so glad you're here and we have even, you know, more valuable things to give you. We're going to send you another email tomorrow or in two days or whenever we send it that is going to have a bonus gift or something for you. So we hook the next email in some way and say, hey, be sure to watch out for this because you're going to want this other thing that's in it. So then in our next email, we deliver deliver on our promise. So for example, if they sign up for our library of organizing printables, depending which path they go down, they will get an email the next day that gives them these bonus labels, printable labels that they didn't sign up for. They didn't know they were getting. It's just kind of an extra gift from us. So they know we're delivering on that promise and we teach a little something in that email. And then we hook again and say, hey, in our next email, we're going to have this other thing for you. And that eventually, once we provide value and showed, hey, we care about you. We want you to have these things. We know what we're talking about in this area of organization because, you know, we've taught you this and this and this. Then once we've given and fed into them in that way, then we have the opportunity to say, hey, we also have these products that can help you get more organized. Here's one that I think would be a perfect fit for you. Here's what you need to know about it. And here's where you can go to buy it. So giving those hooks gives us that time, gets them to open the emails day after day. And it also gives us the opportunity once we've built that relationship and fed into them and show that we know what we're doing and that we care to say, hey, we have these paid things too and can help to make sales of our products at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of like how Netflix, I mean, if you're watching like a TV series on Netflix, they never end an episode with everything wrapped up cleanly. They want to have a little bit of a cliffhanger so that you're, you really want to see how it 
resolves itself. So you then you then watch the next episode. I mean, it doesn't have to be that dramatic with an email <laughs> series, but I am dramatic. You, you want you want to leave <laughs> something unresolved that you plan on resolving in the next email series, or else what you'll find is the open rates just drop off a cliff from like the first email to the you know the second and the third. We've had a few email series, short email series, where the open rates stayed perfectly even, like even as far as three emails into the series. And that's only because they're kind of expecting, we've given them a reason, a specific reason for them to open the next email. Another trend that we've noticed, we've really been shortening our email series. You know, we used to have a lot of these 10 days and these big long series that eventually pitched a product at the end or offered a flash sale or that type of thing. For us, those don't work as well anymore. So we really like the short two, three, four day email series. And if we do have a longer welcome series where we have a lot that we want to teach, and so we don't want the, obviously we don't want the emails to be super long, we'll make them an at your own pace email series. So when they click a button, you know, it fires off the next email. And so someone who's really engaged is able to go through an entire email course in a day if they're that ambitious and that interested. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. What program do you use to do that? We use Drip right now, but we are in the process of moving everything back to ConvertKit. We were ConvertKit customers for a year, been using Drip for about a year and a half, but it's possible in all of them. It's just when someone clicks a link in Drip, it records an action. And then in our automation series, we have goals further down in the funnel that when that action is completed, it pulls them to that point in the series. And so it can send an email, the next email automatically, or the way we do it is if they don't complete that action by clicking that button saying, hey, I'm done with the lesson, send me the next one. If they don't click that button, they'll still get the next email a day later. Okay. So you know, if we, ha- if we have like a 10-day email series, some people may take the whole 10 days. Generally, those people are much less likely to buy, but then we'll have people that'll, that'll go through the entire series in a day or two or three, and there's more of a chance that they will make the purchase. And you can do the same thing in ConvertKit just with tags and instead of events. That's true. And with visual automations, I think too. Yeah. it's It'd be all set up with the visual automation. You'd have all these different goals further down in the automation, like completed lesson one is a goal, completed lesson two. And so those goals would trigger as soon as someone clicked a button and a tag was applied, it would pull them further down to that point right before the next email goes out. Yeah. I really love that idea because like you said, if someone is really warm, they're excited, they're eager to learn about this topic, they're just rapidly consuming everything they can get their hands on, it's like, why make them wait, right? So, And it also, another good benefit is like when you're trying to to decide whether an email series is good or if it's working or not, you know, obviously one way to do it is to look at the open rates, but that only, that really only tells you how good the subject line is and maybe how good the email before it was, but it doesn't tell you how good that specific email is. But if you notice in these like at your own pace email series, if you notice 
notice that there's a certain email that's being opened about the same rate as the others, but it's not being completed with that click at the same rate as others. You know that there's something in that email that isn't getting people excited to click that button that says, hey, send me the next lesson. That's so true. Oh my goodness. See, okay, everyone listening, I told you I'm always paying attention <laughs> to what Donnie and Abby are doing because they're so smart and so strategic. I love that. Not all the time. (laughs) (laughs) We made a lot of mistakes too. (laughs) So I think this is a great place to wrap things up because, I mean, we've already covered so much on writing the right kind of emails, building those relationships, list building, the right freebies, so much good stuff here. But before we wrap up, I know a lot of my audience is curious about this because some of them have a goal in the back of their minds of, I want to go pro with my online business. I want to bring my husband home from his job. Whereas then I would say maybe like half my audience feels that way. And the other half is like, oh, no way. That doesn't sound like (laughs) a cup of tea. (laughs) So I would love to hear from you both. How do you make that work? How do you work well together as a couple? Because I know both of you tend to be more on the introverted side as well. So you like your alone time. Mm -hmm. This is very true. (laughs) Tommy is like, yes. And so how do you balance working together with still having your own space and time to yourself? Okay, so I would say at the begin the beginning was the hardest because it had started out as my thing and then all of a sudden he came and I was like an only child who had never shared my toys. <laughs> he came and he started trying to touch stuff and I was like, "No, that's mine. No, that's mine. Don't touch that. That's mine." So it t- <laughs> it took a little bit for me to be able to let go of stuff at first, but what did it was that I realized that he was a lot better than me at a lot of the things. And so by letting them go, they were actually getting better. Like all of this automation stuff he's talking about in Dripper Convert Kit. If you sat me down with one of those email things, like I could not make all of that happen. I can write the emails, but I could not make all of that happen. So kind of having confidence in the other person and their abilities, I think is the first thing. But then what really helps it work for us is that we have such different and complementary, I would say, skill sets. So like Donnie is really good at setting up the automation series and he's good at researching all of the different cart systems and technical side of everything that we use to make the blog go and putting those in place. And I'm terrible at those things, but I am good at being consistent and making content and kind of the writing piece of it. So I kind of stick to what I like and what I'm good at and he sticks to what he likes and what he's good at. We have no interest in doing what the other person is doing, but we're also confident in the other person's abilities in that area. So having kind of those separate bases and separate responsibilities has been a big help. We do also have separate offices. Mine's upstairs and his is downstairs. (laughs) So there's some like literal space there. Occasionally, there'll be times where there's something in particular that I feel like falls under my thing. And he also feels like it falls under his thing. (laughs) Something that comes to mind is like when we were organizing the garage, usually for the projects and house projects and stuff, I make a plan and I say, this is what we're going to do. And he is the one that does the grunt work. (laughs) 
<laughs> does it. And he doesn't really ask questions. He just does what I ask him to do, which is great. But for the garage, he felt like that was his man area mm. that he wanted to have input on. And so he ordered a stool that I thought was ugly. And I was like, no, we're not using that. <laughs> so occasionally there'll be stuff like that where we have to use our communication skills a little more. But in general, because our responsibilities are so different and our strengths are so different, that is a huge help. And we don't end up butting heads and we just trust the other person to do their job. I think a lot of people think it's harder than it is. I actually think maintaining the relationship is a lot easier than it was when I was at the office all day, every day, because we kind of had separate lives in a sense. Like now everything's kind of intermingled together more. And so I would say, even though we've added this whole business relationship to everything, I think it, I honestly think it makes it a little bit easier. And I would also say that it was helpful for me at the beginning to have someone out there that I looked up to in business with a similar model. So for me, that was Bjork and Lindsay from Pinch of Yum. And I could kind of see like, okay, they have different skill sets, they're different personalities, a husband and wife team working together. How would they handle this? How are they doing this? Like, have they made this work? And so I could always look to them as kind of like, for me, they were leading the way in that regard. And so I think that was helpful for me to see, okay, this is possible. Like people, people do this and it can work really well. That's such a good point of having role models to look up to, where mm -hmm. you can see how they're doing it and you can see that it's possible. I think that's huge. I mean, people tell me all the time, they're like, I follow you, Bethan, because you're a stay-at-home mom who's doing this in the margins and that's what they want to do, for example, you know? so Yeah, and it's people need to see that example that it's possible. Like, it's so hard to completely blaze your own trail it's a lot easier to have someone kind of in front of you that has done it. Yeah. So yeah, that makes, that's a really good point. Yeah. And a lot of times too, I feel like it's the things that you feel like are your weaknesses that that's what people latch onto. For so long, we lived in a townhouse for the first, what, three and a half years that I had, we had the blog. And I was like, this stinking townhouse, we could do so much better content if we were in our dream house or whatever. But that's where I grew my following in our base because I was talking about organizing and I wasn't talking about it in this huge huge space that, you know, nobody could relate to. I was talking about it in this teeny tiny townhouse where I had these little kids with tons of toys and I was in the throes of toddlerhood and I was still making organization work in the midst of that. So what felt like a weakness at first, you know, that became like why people clung on to you and saw kind of that you're, that you're real. So. Yeah, that's so true. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me today. <laughs> <laughs> I know we chat on a pretty regular basis, but yes. I don't normally make you grab a microphone <laughs> to talk. Yeah, you usually don't record yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, one more question, because I always ask this of all my guests. Usually I ask, do you have a funny or adorable mom moment? But in this case, we can do, do you have a funny or an adorable parent moment to share? Yeah, I think to me, the, the best one is our youngest son is kind of an extrovert in a lot of ways. Like he loves to sing and perform and do that type of thing. So this was uh, last year before he started a new learn to play hockey type of thing. And so all 
all the kids would get ready in their gear and they would wait right by the ice while the Zamboni would go around and, and, you know, resurface the ice and make it nice and smooth. So all the parents, all the kids in their hockey gear are just standing around there. So before the first time, before any of the kids took the ice and they were all just standing and waiting, I think Caleb sensed that it was a little bit quiet. And he had seen so many hockey games on TV where they always start with the national anthem. Just in the the middle of all the other kids and parents, he just started belting out the Star Spangled (laughs) Banner start to finish the entire thing. Probably getting louder as he realized people were paying attention. As he started, not many people were paying attention, but then by the end, like everyone was turned and facing him. He finished up. Everyone gave a round of applause and then they uh, they all took the ice. So it was a little unprompted uh, performance by, uh, by Caleb. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> I know he's sung to Levi before. He's made up little songs. <laughs> <laughs> he's always performing in some way, it seems like. Yeah, that's super cute. <laughs> well, thank you again. And can you just remind everyone, where's the best place for them to find you online? They can find us on the blog at justagirlonherblog.com or they can find me on Instagram at Abby Organizes. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. All right. Thank you. Was that not an incredible interview? I love Donnie and Abby so much. I mean, obviously, (laughs) Donnie's my brother. Abby's my sister-in-law. But I would love them so much even if they weren't related to me. They are just so smart and so intentional. I love their approach to online business, and I am always learning new things from them. My mind was a little blown by Donnie's self-paced email series idea. Was anyone else's mind blown? You got to tell me if you were. I am so excited to structure that in my email sequences. But if you're not there yet, maybe you don't even have a sales email sequence that currently converts your subscribers into customers. Maybe you don't have a tripwire offer yet. If that's you, or if you have those things, but you feel like, oh goodness gracious, they're not working, they're not converting, I'm not getting buyers from this little funnel I've set up then you, my brilliant friend, are the perfect person for browser to buyer. So this is Donnie and Abby's course. It's a three-part system for getting the right subscribers on your email list and how to build that list. They'll show you with some cool tech tools and how to optimize your site, how to create a great tripwire offer to get sales immediately from your new subscribers, and then how to write a high converting email sequence on the back end. So if you head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash B2B, you can enroll in Browser to Buyer and it's on sale until Monday, August 5th. So until Monday, August 5th, it is $20 off the course and you also have the chance to take part in the live component. Get this done, my friend. Building up a profitable email list full of buyers is so important, right? Because all of the best laid plans for your promotions and creating products and all of that good stuff, all of that will be in vain if you don't have a list of buyers. So let's build that list of buyers with Donnie and Abby's amazing course. And then I'll help you pour some gasoline on the funnel that they'll help you build with Facebook ads. And it's going to be so much fun. 
I love the Browser to Buyer course so much. It is everything you need, nothing you don't. I love that you get your questions answered live in the chat. There's that external accountability to show up, to consume this, to learn it, and to implement it, and then make that passive income. (laughs) So I'm honestly just blown away that for the last month, since having their system for collecting new leads up and running, I'm making 50 to $100 in organic passive sales every single day. Like, why was I not doing this sooner? Why did I not optimize my site like they recommend so much sooner? And like I mentioned, those sales are really just on the front end because I still have a ton of back end email series tweaking to do, which I'm doing with the help of Abby and her awesome email series writing and her tips in the lesson in the course. Okay, so I want to see you there. I'll be there with you in the chat. And if you're listening to this after Monday, August 5th, you can still use this link I'm sharing to go grab the course. It's just it won't be on sale and there won't be a live component. It's still going to be an amazing, valuable course. But I want to see you there live and I want to help you and I want to answer your questions. And me having that external accountability to show up live to something, whoa, it just makes a big difference for me to actually show up and learn and get it done. So let's do this. Head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash B2B. That's B, the number two, and another B, brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash B2B. And we're going to build your email list of buyers. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.